I have to start out by wishing Darren a happy birthday. We did not sing happy birthday to Darren. Uh, Anita, just so you know, this could have been you if it was. Uh, but happy birthday, Darren. Uh, we're, we're not going to sing happy birthday, but I am going to use you throughout my message today. So I hope you're okay with that. <clears throat> uh, today's the day we celebrate his birth. And everybody in here actually has a birthday, even if they don't want to remember it, they can't remember exactly what year that is, uh, they don't want other people to know, everybody has a birthday. And everybody came out of the womb like Darren, helpless, ooey, gooey, uh, unable to do anything but to go potty and to cry. And that's all he could just naturally do, completely helpless. And that's the way that we all came out. Sure, there's a variety of places that we have done that. Uh, who here was born in a hospital? Pretty much everybody. Anybody here born in, at home? Okay, we got one taker. Uh, anybody here born in the back of a taxi cab? <clears throat> or in an airplane? Because babies will come out at whatever place you're at when it's time for the baby to come out. Uh, so then babies come out at different times. Sometimes babies come out at different timings. Uh, some come out early. Uh, my sister had twins. Uh, they're graduating this year, which I can't believe. Uh, but they came out premature, so they were in the NICU for a couple of months. Uh, me and my brother, we're twins, we came out late. And I don't know how twins come out late, but we did. And some actually come out on time. You guys remember Serafina? Her baby came out on the exact due date. It was almost the day after, timing-wise, but the baby came out on the exact due date. Uh, some people come out the natural way, which was me. I came out the way you're supposed to come out. Uh, my, both my kids came out C-section. Um, some, some babies are surprises. Uh, I've told you this before, my brother and I were surprised. The doctor said, hey, mama, you're expecting this one big healthy baby girl. 11 pounds, she's got a heartbeat like a champ. Guess what came out? Two scrawny little boys, right? Unexpected. But you get the idea, everybody goes through the same point. Everybody starts out as a baby, unable to do everything, to do anything. And that's the way God designed the human body to work. And when it comes to being a child of God, everybody starts out at the same point. Everybody starts as a child, uh, one who is young in the faith. Uh, from there... Uh, it's, it's quite a story. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Uh, hopefully everybody can say, I'm, I'm one who is maturing in the faith. That's stage number two. And stage number three is one who is mature, actually, in the Christian faith. When John is writing to these people in uh, 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 to 14, he addresses children. He addresses young men. He addresses adults. But he's not talking to them because, okay, you're the kids, and so I'm going to talk to you kids first, and, oh, Nick, he's a teen, and so I'm going to talk to teens, and now I'm going to hammer all you adults. He's not talking about a physical age break uh, progression between people. He's talking about a spiritual age progression. You have some who are young in the faith, who just got saved, or have chosen not to grow. Then you have those who are maturing in the faith, and then you have those who have are perfect, but they've kind of reached that point where you call them a, an adult in the faith. And by the time this message is done, I'm sure you're going to know right where you fit in. Whether you are a child in the faith, whether you are one who is maturing in the faith, or whether you are one who has reached the point where people will say you have actually matured in the faith. 
Uh, I want to pray again and, and ask God's blessing on us before we continue. Dear God, again, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you have given us the opportunity to know Jesus as our Savior. And, God, that we can start out as a, as a child of yours and grow from that point on. God, I just pray that this comes out clearly, that you'd help me talk at the right speed, that you'd help me to get the, your point across. And, and no matter what I say, that, God, we'd all hear from you and be able to decide where we are at in our Christian walk and where we want to go from this point on. And I pray it's in Jesus' name. And just so you know, Darren, I'm not done with you. It may not be very often, but I'm going to refer back to you uh, until the end. So just, just so you know. Uh, I was, I was kind of I was, I was thinking about asking your mom on the spot uh, some different facts about you, but since she's not here, it's okay, and maybe she wouldn't have wanted to share them anyway. Just some life stories about you as a kid, and just to make this more fun. But I guess we're going to have to do that some other time. Okay, so stage one is to become a child of God. First uh, John chapter two verses 12 and the second half or the third half of verse 13. And that's how I want to look at this. Just all children, all young adults, and all fathers. And as he writes this, he kind of goes children, young adults, fathers, children, young adults, fathers. I'm just going to combine the three different age groups together. That's why it's kind of divided up funny. He says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Uh, I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. So first of all, uh, when we look around our church, we look and say, you know what, there's a cute little baby sitting on, in the back row or near the back row of the church. And, and physically, we have a very young person attending. We have older people attending. And you, if you look at the nursing home, you have uh, someone who's, I think, about 92 years old. And in any church, you're going to find that whole gamut of people who are a physical different age range, right? Well, the same way it is in this church. In every church, there are those who are very immature in the faith, there are those who are considered growing in the faith, and those who are, are considered to have not arrived, but they're mature. And so we're going to see a little bit about that. Uh, but sometimes when people hit that baby stage, they're content to stay at that baby stage. I got my Jesus, I got saved, and that's good enough. And so hopefully today, if that's you, you're going to be determined not to be that way. But the starting point for every Christian it's the same thing, and that is to have our sins forgiven. So children of God have their sins forgiven on account of Jesus. I have a lot of verses up here, so I'm going to put them back on the, the PowerPoint uh, like last week. Um, sorry, you can read that okay. Uh, hopefully Psalms 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God is a forgiving God. This is a verse in the Old Testament. It says, as far as the east is that way, as far as the west is that way, that's how far he separated you from your sins. Hebrews 8.12 says, for I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. God is a forgiving God. The very first point that we start at as a child of God is to have our sins forgiving, forgiven. And then 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is a forgiving God. And when God forgave us, it wasn't because of anything that made us special. It, it, was, or it made us special, but it wasn't because of anything that we had done. It says, we have been forgiven on the count of Jesus' name. Titus 3.5a says, 
He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. God didn't look down from heaven and say, wow, Darren, you're such a great guy. I think I'm going to save you. Wow, Leslie, you're, you're something special right now, so I think I'm going to, to pay that price for you. He didn't look in advance and say, wow, Kurt was going to do these things. And wow, Bruce was going to do this, and so I think I will save these people. He didn't do that. It was because of his love, it was because of his mercy that people are saved. Isaiah 43, verse 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. It was all completely on Jesus for us to have our sins forgiven. Yes, we need to ask Jesus to forgive us, but he didn't base it off of anything about us that made it so special and say, boy, I really want this guy to be in my kingdom because he's going to do X, Y, and Z. It was all on Jesus that we have our forgiveness for our sins. And that is the beginning point. And there's, if we, if we look at this verse, uh, verse 12, I just want to point out, we could stop and have one whole message based off of this. Uh, verse 12, there's, there's a lot of good truth in verse 12. It's, it's not going to be up on the slide. Um, uh, the first thing, I, I guess it's kind of on the slide, but the whole verse in, by itself isn't. Um, but be, you're, because your sins are forgiven on account of Jesus' name, um, quit carrying around guilt and shame. Your sins are forgiven. We talked about the last several weeks, I keep bringing up this illustration of Jesus and let it go. Let it go when the fishermen were following Jesus with their fishing nets. In order to follow Jesus, they dropped them and they left them. They didn't go back to them and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to fish with you. They just let it lie. <clears throat> and Jesus forgave you. So if you're carrying around guilt and shame because you did X, Y, and Z, let it go. Quit carrying around that. God has forgiven you. He's already let it go. He's already forgotten it. He's already separated it as far as the east is from the west. This should be encouraging. I don't have to carry around my guilt and my shame anymore. God, uh, Jesus has forgiven me. I should quit sinning. I should, I'm not going to be perfect, but I should get out of the habit of sinning. If I, if I have this go-to sin, if I have something that I just... I'm not really ready to give up yet. I should give that up because Jesus has forgiven me. He's not counting my, my sins against me. He's not going to treat me as my sins deserve. And if, you're, if uh, your sins are forgiven on the account of Jesus, you are a member of God's family. You know, kids, you know, kids how many of you like to make dad mad at you? My kids don't like to make them, them, me mad at them. They do. <laughs> But they don't like it, right? They don't want to make me mad at them. Uh, I, I, they don't want to make me sad. They don't want to hurt my feelings. They don't want to do anything that's going to make me look bad. I'm part of God's family. I should feel the same way towards Him. I don't want to make God mad. I don't want to hurt God's feelings. I don't want to do anything that's going to hurt <clears throat> or make God look bad. So uh, because you are a child of God, because you've had your sins forgiven, remember to get rid of the guilt. Quit trying to sin or, or choose harder not to sin. And remember, you're part of God's family. <clears throat> uh, uh, I want to come over here to verse 13 because it talks about, uh, it says, I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. Now, this is the second time he uses this word children. When the first time he used the word children, it was kind of a blanket statement to everybody who was young in the faith. The second time he uses this word, it's not addressed to just everybody who's young in the faith. This is actually talking to you kids, to those who are considered, as we think of children, like under the age of 12 or 13 or 14. 
uh, as young. And he's saying, I'm writing to you, children, because you have known the Father. You know, kids can learn about Jesus at a very young age. If, um, and I've known a lot of, a lot of programs, lots of kids who have come to know Jesus at a young age. Leslie's already mentioned this. When we get a foster kid, we've had five of them between the, three, the ages of three and five. What is the first thing that Leslie does? Well, she's, she's friendly, she's playful and happy, but when it, she gets the opportunity to share Jesus, she does. And that's going to happen at least three times a day. Because at every meal, we're like, okay, we are going to pray to Jesus. And the kid's like, okay, what am I praying to? What's this really mean? But by the time they're done, they're saying these cute little prayers saying, thank you, Jesus, for my food. I remember Ethan. You guys remember Ethan? He says, before he went to bed, I think it was, or maybe it was for a snack, he says, thank you, Jesus, for my mom, and thank you for my Pop-Tart. Yeah. Yeah. And so and you just get these cute little prayers, and it's like, we didn't say, okay, so-and-so, sit on the couch, we're going to tell you about Jesus. We just started with a prayer of, of thanking God, and we, it just kind of develops into an opportunity. Uh, she didn't say, you know what, these kids aren't mine, so who cares? These kids are too young, they can't get it, or I'm not going to have them long enough to make sure they really get it. She says, here's a whole bag of seed. Don't, I want to make sure these kids hear about Jesus as often as I can. Um, the Iwana program. Miss Anita, who we didn't think happy birthday to last week. She's working with the Puggles and the Cubbies. How old are the Puggles? Yeah, two to five. You know, two-year-olds, they are clueless, especially some of these kids. Uh, you're like, I, I couldn't put, I couldn't handle it. But you know what? They want a program that starts young because kids can learn about Jesus. Even before they realize what's going on, they can hear about Jesus. My kids, uh, I remember when Noah was like three and a half, uh, we, we were just sitting at the table, and he says, I want to ask Jesus to be my Savior, something like that. I didn't try to coax him. I didn't try to prompt him and say, Noah, you need to do this. He just said, I want to do that. And so we sat there and we prayed. Now, he'll tell you today he doesn't remember that, but he will tell you that I believe in Jesus, and I love Jesus, and I'm living for Jesus. But we, it just started at a young age. So parents, if you have kids, don't say, I'll wait till they grow up. Uh, get them into God's Word now because they can come to know Jesus now. Um, so the first thing, all believers start at the same point of having their sins forgiven. Everybody starts as that young child in the faith. You know, Darren, bless his heart, he was a baby. I, I just found another note I wrote about him. Um, he was a baby, right? He didn't stay a baby. He grew in size. He grew in stature. He grew in wisdom, right? That's what the natural person is supposed to do. Darren did it well. Now he's got a nice family that he brings to church that he leads well, as Nicole said. That's the way the body is supposed to work. The, uh, the spiritual body, the, the believer in Christ, is supposed to do the same. We're not supposed to be stuck in that baby stage. We're supposed to grow and mature in the faith. That's going to come at different rates. I mean, some people shoot up like this all summer while they grow. Some people do that spiritually. Some people go like this. Like it takes 50 years to grow. And some people say, I'm not growing at all. So stage number two is to mature in the faith. John uses the word young men. Not just for us boys to grow in the faith, but just a division of categories based off of people. Um, so, mature in the faith is the second stage, verse 13a and 14a. 
No, how about 13b? It says, I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. So those who are young are the ones who are strong. Uh, they have the strength to withstand the attacks of Satan. And you can look throughout the Bible where Satan has gotten involved and attacked people. You think about Job. He got physically attacked. He went and talked to God and says, oh yeah, Job is doing good. And Satan says, of course you, he is. You're, you're blessing him in every which way. So first Satan attacked his family. And then Satan told God, well yeah, of course, if he has his own skin, he's going to keep trusting you. So God says, you can attack him, but you can't take his life. So physical attack is part of what Satan might do. Uh, and the, the, those who are strong, they have the strength to sustain or withstand the attacks of Satan. There's temptations that we all face. Uh, there's troublesome thoughts, doubts, worries, guilts. Some people, more than others, are going to face those. But those who are young or those who are maturing in the faith have the ability to withstand uh, those attacks because they are strong. And how do they withstand those attacks? Well, let me... Let me tell you, they don't just do it by sheer willpower. Like, I can do this on my own. I can, I can, I can not give in to that temptation, and, and I can keep good attitude when life is falling apart, and boy, I just got it all within myself. The person, person who does that is the person who's going to fail. John tells you exactly what you need to do if you want to withstand the attacks of Satan. He says the Word of God lives in them. It abides. It remains. It continues. It's a lifelong growing process. It's infused in, inside their body, inside their brains. And that takes work. You know, your physical body grows without even trying. You know, it can grow sideways without trying. It can grow tall without really trying. It's just the way the body works. But when it comes to growing spiritually, it takes work. Uh, Hebrews chapter eight verse, or 5, verse 14 talks a little bit about this, about it taking work. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. It says, but solid food, meaning the spiritual truths of God's word, is um, so, but, the, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You take a, a cute little kid, like this one-year-old we had, she's eating little pieces of apple. She's eating a little bit of cheese stick. We didn't give her a big chunk of steak and say, here, work on this. Of course, that might keep her job busy for a while. But all she's got is four teeth on the top and on the bottom. She's not capable of handling it. When you get to be Nick's age, hey, Nick could probably down a steak or two, right? No problem. Caleb could probably eat three or four. No problem. Because they are they're young adults and they're, they're hungry and they're maturing and they're able to handle that physically. When it comes to growing mature spiritually, it takes work if you're going to be able to do that. And the Word of God is inside of them. How do I get this Word of God in me? Well, a lot of easy ways. Uh, I mean, there's a song I'm not going to sing, uh, but read your Bible, pray every day. We teach that to the Awana kids. We get them on the floor like this. We get them on the floor like this, and we say, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. We're not growing physically. It's just a picture, but we're growing spiritually. And if you don't, you shrink. If you don't keep God's word in you, you shrink as a Christian, and you're not able to withstand the uh, attacks of Satan. When those things come, you're going to fall flat on your face. So read your Bible, pray every day. 
The second one is to do what you guys did today. You showed up to church. And I applaud you for that, and I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's a lot better having people look at you when you're up here talking. Uh, but show up to church. And if you can, bring your Bible. Uh, Paul's always, or he, the Bereans, he said, you guys are doing a good job. You're looking at the scriptures every day to see if what I'm saying is really true. I've said this before. If Paul's saying that, you guys, I'm no Paul. Okay, I'm just Josh. You should be checking to see if what I am saying is true as well. So read your Bible, pray every day. Uh, show up to church if you can with your Bible. Number three, memorize scripture. Think about it. Meditate on it. Uh, that takes work as well, especially as the older we get, it seems to be harder to memorize certain things. Don't say, oh, well, I'm done. Keep trying to memorize those words. Uh, keep uh, and trying to think about what is this really saying. Uh, ask questions. You know, there's lots of things in the Bible that don't make sense when you first read them. How does this apply? What is God really saying? A lot of people say, okay, that's nice. I'm just going to go like this and move on to what's next. Don't do that. Wrestle with it. Figure out what in the world did God mean when he put that in there. Talk to me. Ask me questions. Stop the preacher. You can do that. Get online. Look for answers. Talk to each other. But if, wrestle with it. Figure out what does this really mean. Get the word of God in you. Study it. it there's lots of resources. Biblehub.com. Blue Letter Bible. Uh, GotQuestions.org. I'm always trying to throw those out. Study it, figure it out, and then make sure that you actually put it into practice. If you want to be strong, if you want to mature in the faith, you've got to get inside the Word, and you've got to let it permeate your whole being uh, throughout your whole life, throughout every day. So those who are young, who are strong in the faith, or those who are maturing in the faith, are the ones who are strong. The Word of God lives in them. That's how they're able to do that, and they have overcome the evil one. Now, that has two possible meanings. One is the fact that they're just saved. They've overcome. This is what the Satan's trying to get me to do. This is the, the way the world wants me to go. But they said, I'm not doing that. I'm going the way of Jesus. They overcame. But also, they overcome those things in life that we talked about, like the physical harm. Job was somebody who was able to overcome the attack of Satan. He didn't, he didn't get mad at God. His wife said, curse God and die. He says, no, we're going to trust God in this. Whether good comes or evil, I'm, I'm not going to give up my hope in him. When temptations come, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God has an exit sign. Go and find it. God's, with every temptation, God's going to provide a way out. And the person who is young, the person who is maturing, is more likely to overcome that temptation. Those troublesome thoughts. Those thoughts of doubts and those, thought, thought, those worries, uh, the guilt that we face. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6, six to 7, we talked about trading God our worries, uh, trading, giving him God our worries for his peace. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, pre present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So the person who is young in the faith, who has put all that, all that word of God inside their brain, is the person who can use it, who is going to start being able to overcome and defeat the evil one. That's the person who is starting to grow. But not everybody wants to. Yes, my physical body grew this tall. I had nothing to do with it, except for that it ate. Uh, and if I could have had something to do with it, I would have been taller. 
I would have had more hair in my head. I would have had bigger muscles. You know, I would have lots of things if I had control. I didn't have control. So I looked like this. No offense, God. <laughs> I look like this. But when it comes to growing spiritually, you have a choice. Not everybody wants to take that choice. A lot of people are just content to be immature in the faith. And those who are immature are content to have their sins forgiven, and they really want nothing more. I'm happy to have Jesus, and that's good. You know, Leslie told you we had a couple of kids. Uh, there was a one-year-old and a four-year-old. The one-year-old was just about to that stage of walking. And she was falling down, and she was crawling and throwing food on the floor, just kind of like a typical kid. And it was cute. Like, okay, this has been a long time. You know, Caleb's 11. It's been 10 years since we went through this. But we could put up with it because it's a one-year-old. Well, sometimes that four-year-old decided, I'm going to try to act like my little sister. When she cries, he starts trying to do the same thing. And all of a sudden, that's not cute anymore. If he throws his food on the floor, no. You don't do that. You don't have to eat it, but quit throwing it on the floor. For example, because Leslie's a good cook and he never did that. But um, and we, we, can, we can like, okay, I can barely handle this with the baby. I'm not putting up with the four-year-old. But what about me? I'm almost 42 years old. What if I start acting like I was a one-year-old? I'm throwing my food on the floor. I'm throwing a temper tantrum. I'm crying when I have to take a nap. Right? That's going to be absolutely pathetic. You're going to think, who the heck is this guy? And get him out of there. Right? You wouldn't put up with it. When you, uh, music at school, which I wanted to stop by for a second. I forgot to tell you about Mrs. Wagner. She's going to have a surgery, I think, June 7th or June 9th. So uh, we can praise the Lord for that. I'm supposed to pass that on. Uh, but you think about school concerts. And you get those little kids up there, it's their first time playing an instrument, and they're playing their recorder or whatever it is that they're playing. And what do you hear? You hear all sorts of cute little squeaks. And it's like, okay, that's cute. My little kid or my grandkid is playing this, and, and it's, it's, it's enjoyable. You know, it's not like the greatest thing, but we're happy because they're learning. Uh, even me, with my guitar, which I haven't practiced for a couple weeks, but my guitar, if I got up here, I just started teaching myself, I think there would be a lot of forgiveness and my hitting some wrong notes. But fast forward five years down the road. If I'm still up here hitting these notes, uh, those, those kids that were playing that recorder are still hitting all these sour notes on their recorder. Five years later, it now hurts my ears. Right? It's not cute anymore. It's annoying. And that's kind of how it is with the Christian faith. We should be growing in the Christian faith. What was cute for a one-year-old is not cute for a 41-year-old. What's cute for an eight-year-old learning the recorder is not cute for a 50-year-old playing the recorder after 42 years of practice. It shouldn't be that way. And you think about, uh, you think about people who are growing in the Christian faith or not growing. They're the opposite. Uh, those who are immature who don't want to. Those who are mature are strong in the faith. What's that make those who are immature in the faith? They're weak. Though these can withstand the attacks of Satan. Guess what these guys cannot do? Withstand the attacks of Satan. These ones have God's word crammed into the brain. So they can withstand the attacks of Satan. This person is relying on something else. They have nothing inside their back pocket or inside the brain to say, I'm not going to face that temptation, Satan, because there's a way out. i got to find it. This is how I'm supposed to handle this, and I'm going to do it. They have nothing to rely on. Uh, the, 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 those who are strong in faith can overcome the evil one. Those who are not strong in the faith are going to fall over and over again. Um, you know, it's hard enough as a Christian, as you know, to withstand the attacks of Satan to make it through life's struggles. 
when you're walking with the Lord, how much harder is it when you don't have Jesus to rely on? Yeah, you got saved, you got your little ticket, but you don't have anything else, it's going to be that much harder. Hebrews 5.12 says, In fact, though by the time, this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone else to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Uh, the, the, the author of this, this passage is writing to people that he's saying, Look guys, you have been at saved for a very long time, and here i got to start all over again, because you guys haven't grown. You guys need to work harder. You guys need to feed yourselves. You know, a little kid, when you... You give them a baby, you say, here's the bottle, and you're cute like this, and then the baby starts going like this, and you start to give them the spoon, and then they start taking it themselves and wanting to feed themselves, right? That's how it should, that should kind of be how it should work. We should take and grow ourselves in our Christian faith. He says, you ought to be teachers by this time. Now, you might be thinking, that's nice, Josh, I'm not going to be a teacher. I'm not going to stand up in front of a pulpit. I'm not going to stand up in front of a Sunday school class or a VBS or anything like that, so it's okay. No, it's not okay. You may not ever get up in front of somebody, but a lot of you have grandkids. A lot of you have kids. Most everybody here has neighbors and coworkers. And you may not get up in a teaching capacity and say, here's the word of God, but every time you open up your mouth, you can use that as a teaching moment to teach somebody something about God. And if you have not put it here, you have nothing to come out here. So everybody has this opportunity and this responsibility to take what they have heard, what they have read, and to try to pass it on. But if you have not matured in the faith, you cannot do this. Luke 8.14 says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. You know the, the parable of the sower with the seeds? That third person, he hears it, sounds like possibly he accepted it, and that's all he ever does. He doesn't mature. Uh, how much fun is it to plant a garden when all you do is stick it in the ground, and that's it? Even if you get a stock growing, wow, that's really awesome, but when it comes time to harvest, that was completely worthless, right? It wasn't worth the sunshine, it wasn't worth what you put in for the water, or the fertilizer or anything. But a lot of people are content to be just like that. Produce no fruit whatsoever. And the immature Christian says, I got Jesus, nothing more. Oh well, I don't really care. At least I'm going to heaven. So step one is to have your sins forgiven. Become a child of God. Step two is to start maturing in the faith. And step three is to mature in the faith completely. Verses 13b and 14b. He says, I write to you, or 13a, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. Verse 14a says, I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. By the time you are a parent, uh, your body has fully matured. You, know, you don't take, a baby doesn't become an adult overnight. You don't get born in the womb one day and become an adult the next day, able to have offspring and go to work and have your own job and your own car payments all by yourself, right? It's a lifelong process to go from being a child up to being a mature adult. Everybody starts at the, the same place. Now, before you look and say, that's not me, I'm not the mature adult, um, which I think some of you are. Darren, I told you I was coming back to you. I look at Darren and I say, Darren is a mature Christian. He is mature in the faith. 
Now that doesn't mean Darren is perfect. And if you're mature in the faith, you're not going to be perfect either. Um, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he's willing to forgive us. Both sides of that verse says if you say you haven't sinned, you're a liar. Right? So you're not going to be perfect. But at some point, you can look and say that this kid, Caleb, maybe, maybe called the age 21, I don't know. You look and say this kid is a, a child. You, at some point you say, Nick is a, 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 tea, a young adult. And at some point you say, somebody is physically a mature adult, right? Whether they act like it or not, that is what they are. Growing spiritually, at some point, you've got to be able to say that somebody is a mature believer in the Lord. They don't know everything. They don't, believe, uh, they don't do everything perfectly. But at some point, you look and say, Darren is a mature believer in the Lord. He is matured in the faith. And to, to, that means to be well-established in the truth of God's word, the gospel. Darren gets up and he, uh, he teaches Sunday school. He's leading his family well. When we have deacon meetings, when we have discussions, there's good biblical counsel going there. I don't just talk to Darren for, hey, let's have a, a good chit-chat. If I need some spiritual truth, I can go talk to Darren because he is, is one of those guys. So how do you become mature in the faith? Or what does that look like? Because maybe that will be you. You can say, Josh... That's me as well. Maybe I'm not the birthday boy, the example of everything, but that's me as well. But here's what it would look like. And these are just four that I put together. It's not like an all-inclusive list. But one is that a mature believer in the Lord is obedient to God. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And that's an awful, that's a, that's a big thing right there. Loving God and doing what God asks you to do. Number two that you can do is to share Jesus with other people. Uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20 talks about going and sharing the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, a mature believer says, I might say I'm scared to do this. I'm going to go out there and tell my neighbor about Jesus. I don't know how they're going to respond, but they're going to do it anyway. Number three says, uh, the mature believer says, no to sin. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This wasn't a wonder verse back when I was a kid. We learned it kind of as a rap. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. The mature believers, the main thing they, majority of the time we're saying no. It's not like, oops, I'm going to purposely do this. They say, I'm not going to do this as much as I possibly can. And the mature believers, you look in uh, verse 15, 1 John 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. The mature believer says, I'm going to choose God over what I want, over what the world is asking me to do. I'm going to put Jesus first. And there were people of that day that John is writing to that were fathers in the faith. Even some that maybe as a child knew about Jesus, and they stuck it out. Because John is like around 90 years old. And he, if, it's been about 60 years, I think, since Jesus has passed on. And so he, he's probably about the age of 30. And you had kids that probably grew up in that church, and they stuck it out. Uh, they they, they, they might have started out as a Sunday school teacher. They might have retired from that, but they kept doing something. They kept being involved. Uh, they kept praying. They kept coming to the church. When there was issues in the church, they didn't just quit and say, I'm done. They said, we're going to work through these issues. They persevered in the faith. It isn't just the deacons that are supposed to mature in the faith. It isn't just the pastors or the Sunday school teachers. This is something that we are all supposed to do. How do I do that? I hear God's word 
and I, I put it into practice. I meditate on it, I think about it, I study it, and I do it. So as you listen to this message, I'm just kind of curious, what stage of growth would you put yourself in? Would you say, you know what, I'm a child. And some people are a child in the faith because they're new in the faith. I just got saved, and so I'm learning. I really don't know a whole lot. That's great. But some people are child, children in the faith because they choose to be there. I don't want to study that. I'll go to church, and I don't, I'm sitting there, and hopefully that counts for something. But they don't do anything. They don't learn anything. They, they, it doesn't affect their life at all. So some people are children by, uh, just because they just got saved, and some people are children by choice. Are you an, a maturing adult? Are you growing in the, the knowledge of what God's Word says? Are you able to defeat the wiles of the devil? The devil is a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Be a tough target. Don't be the one who just lays down and plays dead and says, okay, I'm, I'm right here, just take my life quickly. You know, be the one who's running, the one who's fighting, the one who's trying to get away and to save your life. Be that kind of Christian, the maturing adult. Or do you say, you know what, I'm the mature adult. Yep, Josh, I'm not perfect. But I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church, I try to do what God's asking me to do, uh, I try to share my faith with other people, and as I have opportunity, I try to uh, teach other people as well. And if you say, I'm, I'm a mature Christian, Josh, I don't want to admit it, but that's where I am, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm, I'm not here to say, shame on you for doing that. Because guess what today is? It's a new day. Guess what yesterday was? It's something you can't do anything about. Right? So you could say, yes, I was an immature Christian. I was a child in the faith. Oh, well, I can't do anything about that. From this point on, I'm going to start maturing in the faith. If you are maturing in the faith, keep going. Don't say, okay, I've, I've got more than the child does, or i got more than somebody else. Keep growing in the faith. And if you are mature in the faith, congratulations. Just keep living out that faith and keep trying to share it with other people. You have no control over your physical growth but you have all sorts of control over your spiritual growth. Read your Bible, study it, ask questions, listen to it, and obey it, and you will be a mature Christian before you know it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for your patience too, because we all start out as children in the faith. We don't know you. We don't know anything about your word. We just start out with the point of having our sins forgiven uh, because we ask you to forgive us and to save us from our sins. God, I just pray that if anybody has stopped at that stage in here, that you would uh, nudge them just a little bit uh, to push them to, to want to mature in their faith. Give them a taste of what your word says, to be excited about it, to understand it. Give them the drive to, to ask questions and, and be disciplined to learn it. And I pray, uh, thank you, God, for those who are mature in the faith. Please help them to continue to be a good example, to continue to grow. And I pray for each of us in whatever state we're in, that we would be better than we were tomorrow when we work today. And I pray for your help to grow in Jesus' name. Amen.